are listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. And we are back, Rogue Table Talks, number 129, RTT 129. I'm Mike, and there's Chad. Hello. Chad says hello. <laughs> and, uh, we go. And, and we're back at it. Um, uh, we'd uh, love for you to continue to subscribe uh, if you're not uh, anywhere you uh, listen to these things and you can see us on YouTube. And, uh, uh, we're just glad to be here uh, for y'all. Uh, and I never say y'all. So that's how excited I am. Um, and we're going to um, continue here in uh, Galatians 5 after our little delay uh, for logistical uh, troubles. But uh, let's, uh, let's just check in briefly here. How you doing, man? Stuff? Doing good. Yeah, doing good. Got workers in uh, your house? The, I got workers in the house. Yeah, we've got uh, so two of our kids in our master bedroom right now. So we've got a couple of rooms being finished downstairs, which is nice for, for them and nice for yeah. us. And, yeah. So yeah, the people coming and going, and it's yeah. it's uh, it's kind of exciting. We've never, uh, you know, had anything built or built anything. So watching the progress happen is pretty fun. It is pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. fun. And it's a golden late autumn day uh, here, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It might it might rain. I'm not sure if it's supposed to rain today. I'm not sure, but I, I need to get out and try to. I've already done wave. We've done sort of wave one and a half of leaves. Uh, I need to do wave two. I don't know how many. We usually have like four waves of. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Because you got a lot lot of. We do. uh, We have trees in the backyard and those. um, It's more everyone else's leaves that blow into our front yard. I mean, you know, if you're you're a neighbor and you're listening, it's, you know, no hard feelings, but we just happen to be sort of in a collection area, me and my Uh my neighbor. So when the, when it gets a little stormy and everyone's leaves, you know, everyone else's front yard is like completely cleaned off from the wind on some windy day that will come here in the future because it happens every year. Then I have like a snow drift uh, of leaves like across my driveway and across over to my, my neighbor's house as well. It's like, okay, well, you're welcome, everybody. I just... Imagine you taking a blower and blowing them all back to back. where they go yeah. on your right. neighbor's yard. Right. <laughs> right. This is really your responsibility. <laughs> so, uh, anywho, um, I don't mind it actually. Uh, if it's not, if it's a kind of a nice, you know, crisp fall day and you're out getting leaves, there's part of that that's that's fine. It's just it does get a little old after you know wave two or three. Yeah, yeah. After a while, it's like okay. after a while, it's a little, it's a little much. It's like mowing um, the lawn at the end of July. You're just ready yeah, to be done. Right. I don't mind lawn. mowing the lawn, but I could skip it today. Right. That's mm-hmm. the deal. Um, so uh, with that, uh, with that helpful preview of uh, of my day for everyone, because I'm sure they were <laughs> wondering, um, we are gonna we're gonna jump into uh, Galatians five, and we've been talking about, um, you know, the the setting. Why don't you just give us a quick, you know, your thoughts on what we've talked about the first, the first part of the book, you know, kind of what's going on there, what Paul's been saying, because we do shift gears. We are shifting gears a little bit in this chapter and the next one. So, yeah, I think it's the preeminence of grace, the grace of the gospel and liberation from bondage. Um, 
slavery to sin, but slavery to trying to keep the law, you know, kind of perfectionism, our own addition to Christianity and grace of what we think we need to do to please the Father, earn grace, or stay in good graces, and just this wide lane of um, goodness that comes from God that we just receive and walk in. So over against adding our own stuff to it, kind of feel like yeah. the themes. Yeah, right. The law can't save you. Good works can't save you. They don't make you better. Um, you know, uh, you can't go back and try to keep the law and add the law to grace and and so on. Um, and and then in chapter five, he, you know, he starts off chapter five, you know, but it's for freedom. Christ set us free. Walk in freedom. We talked a little bit about what that freedom might be, and and I think Paul expands on it a little bit more uh, in at the end of chapter five, uh, when he says, "But I say," and this is sort of a you know it's a well known passage, uh, and if you grew up in the church or you know went to Sunday school as a kid, maybe uh, at least part of it is. But I say, "Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh." So now we are. Um, introducing or uh, reaffirming the role of the spirit uh, as opposed to the law. So I said, walk by the spirit. We're called to this new way of life. You'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Okay, so uh, we're free. We're free from the tyranny uh, of the, the bondage of the law and having to keep the law. Uh, but we are free for a purpose, and we are uh, our behavior and actions do matter, but they come by walking, walking in the spirit, uh, and not gratifying the desires of the flesh. Um, so, desires of the flesh are against the spirit; desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to one another. Uh, and it, you know what he says. I think one of the one of the first interesting uh, things or the things that catches my eye in that passage is that the desires of the spirit, the desires of the flesh, are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want. Um, what do you, what's your response to that? How do you reflect on that little tidbit of, uh, the, the desires of the flesh keep me from doing what I want to do? I mean, at some level, it seems a little contradictory because the desires of the flesh are in fact desires and it's in the moment. Yeah, I sometimes want you them. want to do those. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there is a, a conflict. It reminds me of Romans 7 of, you know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I keep doing. So there is this this battle of, 
well, I, I have these desires, if we're talking about fleshly desires, he defines that. I have these desires, and then, yeah, they're desires, so on some level I, I want them. But on another level, I've been uh, given the Spirit, and that part of me knows that those bring pain and destruction and community hurt, so I don't want them. And so I want to do the things that bring life, joy, and peace, but then this battle of the flesh, sinful person within me, uh, gets in the way of those mm -hmm. things, whether it's actively, you know, active sin, um, that the repercussions of, of guilt and shame and those things, or it's just passive, I just don't do it, mm. you know, by just yeah. thinking about self and don't live the way I want to. Yeah, yeah, so there's sort of a bigger picture want to and sort of a short-term, immediate the things that uh, I end up doing that I don't, I you know, in the moment I, I want to do them, but you know, in the bigger picture I don't, I don't want to do them. Uh, there's this, you know, this competing, these competing desires uh, that, yeah, in the bigger picture I don't really want to do this, but I end up doing it anyway. Um, and you know, but in contrast to that, if you're led by the Spirit, <clears throat> you're not under the law. And there's, there's this list of the works of the flesh. Now, I don't think Paul is saying that these, this is a complete list and there's nothing else that's, that's a work of the flesh that's not on here and so on. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a representative list. Um, but there's lots of uh, commonalities uh, on, on this list of the works of the flesh. And, but what he's saying is we all can see them. We kind of, he kind of, we know what they are. Is kind of what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Sexuality, uh, idolatry, um, interpersonal um, friction, anger, uh, you know, uh, division, uh, all of these things are things that we're familiar with that are works of the flesh that we, that we may or may not uh, struggle with equally, but we all struggle with to some degree. Um, and since I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, I mean, what do you think of the works, the the, the list of the works of the flesh? Um, is it is there anything about that list that's surprising, or um, you know that, that maybe they don't uh -oh. really seem to go together equally or something? Well, for me, it, it's not so much that they're surprising. It's probably that in my church experience we tend to emphasize certain ones over the others and it just seems like Paul there's not necessarily categorical differences for Paul um, you know because he lists sexual morality at the beginning but he also lists orgies at the end so which would be the same thing uh, you know obviously mm -hmm. but in the middle there's jealousy fits of anger strife so I, I think we tend to take certain things and, and focus on them. Well, let me give an example. So someone was talking about Corinthians six, um, with your body as a temple, mm -hmm. you know, and the ne very next application was therefore you shouldn't smoke, uh, or abuse alcohol or things like that. Well, I'm not saying that is not part of the conversation that could be appropriate to that passage. But I doubt that that's what Paul had in mind was don't smoke, you know, 
Essentially, he's saying there's someone uniting themselves in sexual morality with a prostitute in that passage, so that your body's a temple should don't do that, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think we tend to like, and maybe we've just, it's because we've heard it, we tend to take a passage and then focus on, well, this is that sin or elevate a certain sin. Um, and so I think here, like what sticks out to me is the communal aspect, especially in Galatians 5, when he goes on to say, you're devouring each other. Mm. You got enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Those are all communal issues, relationship issues. They're not just me and my own private, you know, sin. These are sins that destroy the community. And I don't yeah, know if I we do... talk about those enough, I guess. Right. I think that's right. I think there's certain, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, cultural interpretations of certain sins. Uh, in the culture of the church, there's sins that are really bad uh, and uh, sins that we would not put in the really bad category, probably. Uh, and I think it's easier for us to sort of gloss over, you know, strife, enmity. Uh, and, you know, in the interest of being right, you know, we might you know, even celebrate some of uh, you know, uh, I am, I should be angry, you know, that those, uh, those other people are wrong in the theology. So the rivalry is, um, you know, justified and so on and so on. And I think there's a way, there's ways in which in the church we have come to, I think, normalize, uh, some, uh, some, uh, some sins that, Paul's not, he's putting him on the same list. There's no difference in Paul's list between stuff that we might be okay with and not that embarrassed about, maybe even, and with other stuff that would be shameful and we, you know, everyone would admit sin. Um, and, you know, that there's no real difference on the list. There's no way to say an orgy is worse than dissension and envy and rivalry and divisiveness in Paul's list. Mm-hmm. Now, it might be, but, you know, right. it's, it's a pretty Yeah, that's difficult... the other side of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's but a pretty here... difficult... Yeah, it's a pretty difficult thing to rate the seriousness of sin. I think the... I think the Bible doesn't really encourage us to try to exercise that, you know, that activity. Um, you know, because we're, we're bound to... We're bound to either minimize or maximize our own sin. And, you know therefore minimize or maximize the sins of others where in God's eyes it might be worse of course but it, you know as Paul is describing what the works of the flesh are all on the same list mm-hmm. yeah like like murder and anger yeah. obviously uh, I think and through the scripture and in our own eyes and in cultural eyes there's a difference you know in the uh, uh, severity of it but but then there's that other side of where Jesus says, yeah, but they come from the same place. Mm-hmm. Like they're similar and yet they're different. And I do think the, one of the, you know, the points Paul's making <clears throat> here is that we're all subject to the work of the works of the flesh. Like we're all on this list. So instead of, instead of looking at the, you know, the list of sins and trying to rank, it's not about that. It's about we're all on the list. And yeah. we're all bound to be on the list unless we walk by the Spirit. 
And then if you look at the the list, you know, the works of the fruit, the fruit of there's the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. And the fruit or the result that, you know, we can't make happen on our own, but the fruit or the result of walking with the spirit are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Things that we can't <clears throat> just will up on our own and manufacture. Uh-huh. They're evidences of our transformation because we're walking in the spirit. So there's this completely different, there's this sort of life where you're trying and striving and you're sort of bound to, to exhibit the works of the flesh. And there's this sort of life where you're walking in the spirit and because you're walking in the spirit, you're growing in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Um, and that's the contrast he's drawing. And I think that it's a hard contrast for us, us here, uh, followers of Christ here, you know, fallen image bearers in, in this redemptive phase of the story, because we we sort of are imperfect examples of, of each of these from time to time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I maybe this is a cultural buzzword, uh, but like to me, the question is, which way do you see yourself trending? You know, which way are you moving towards? Because it's not an all or nothing like, oh, I, I've figured this out. I only walk in the spirit. But I do think the conversation about momentum is important. That I do think the more you, what he, what he says at the beginning, don't gratify the desires of the flesh, but, but basically give way to the desires of the spirit. So the more you allow uh, the spirit to work through you. And the more through the spirit, you say no to the desires of the flesh, the more you're trending that way or more momentum you have. And I, I would argue that it's not that you'll never fall into one of these sins, but I think the more you practice something, the more you have, you create an appetite for it or a taste for it, uh, or less either way, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if we're not gratifying the desires of the flesh, you know, maybe that's a baseline for us. It's not, not, oh, I'm going to cultivate all this fruit. It's, I just got to say no to the desires of the flesh. And I think as a byproduct, you will make more room for the, mm-hmm. for the spirit to be, yeah. um, for it through you. Yeah. I mean, they, and they are in, in a sense, in competition with each other. Right. I think that's one of the things Paul talks about in Romans seven. Um, and to that end, uh, I want to, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this episode will be a little bit briefer because we're going to uh, release it maybe a little bit midweek and then we'll do the the next one and get back on schedule um so uh, uh, i want to get to the the end of the passage here before we um before we have to to close and i do think it speaks to that very thing where that he says the fruit of the spirit are are these things against such things there is no law uh and um as opposed to the works of the flesh. And then he says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And I think it's, this is one of those statements where it's sort of the already not yet is, is evident where we haven't perfectly crucified. We've had, mm-hmm. the, you know, our flesh has been crucified. You know, we've died with Christ. We've been raised again, but we still, you know, live according to the old way to some degree. But there is this sense of, you know, the old word was mortify, mortification. You mortify the desires of the flesh or you try to kill them off. 
um, and you put, you know, to you deny yourself, you climb up on the altar, and you're a living sacrifice. It's this sort of this sort of sense of part of walking with Christ is saying no to some things that I will desire to do, and some of those things are not, you know, join a motorcycle gang uh, or rob a bank. Uh, it's stuff that I'm quite willing, quite often willing to sort of overlook in myself, like be unreasonably mad at someone or hold on to some bitterness or whatever. These things that I will tend to do, I have to kill that off uh, in some way. And then uh, the other half of that, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So there's a sense of, uh, you know, killing off dying to, denying, uh, you know, dying the seed going into the ground, and then keeping in step with the spirit that are happening at the same time. And I do think if you want to think about spiritual rhythms, spiritual habits, probably some element of both of those things have to be engaged regularly in a spiritual habit or spiritual rhythm in order for us to live according to what Paul is talking about. Like there's some sense of recognizing where I'm falling short uh, and then there's some sense of submitting myself to God's word and prayer and spirit to be transformed. Like both of those things are not, you know, every, all the action is continual here. It's not like one time I decided to do it and then I'm taken care of. There's this sense of this is a journey I'm on and I got to keep on this journey. I got to keep in step with the spirit, right? Yeah, for me, uh, we tend to think in associations and analogies. For me, that one of the most helpful analogies around this conversation is just you know gardening, um, or or planting. Um, and the I don't make we don't make the fruit of the spirit happen. You know, we don't will it to being. But as you talked about spiritual habits, we are responsible to create a, an environment where the spirit can really grow. And so uh, we're planting, we're making sure the soil's good, we're, we're, we're you know, watering when we need to, we're watching the heat and the sun, we're removing weeds, we're making sure that uh, no you know, pests or you know, animals can get in. We're, we're ha having that protective side, but also the preserving side. And then we just allow room for the spirit. And so to me, yeah, that has to include spiritual habits, rhythms, spiritual disciplines, communal worship, personal worship. But those things are never, uh, they don't necessarily equate, okay, well, that is the fruit of the Spirit, but they do give room for the Spirit to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that is a great illustration. There's, there's a part that I have to play, but even yeah. if I just play all my part, apart, you know, apart from some other action, I can't, you know, I can plant, I can fertilize, I can, know, prepare the soil, I can clear the weeds out, but I cannot make the veg the fruits or the vegetables or the flowers show up. That is a work that is beyond me. It's a work of God that he's uh, programmed into creation. And it's the same thing. I, you know, there's things I must, can and must do, but me doing them can't make the fruit happen. It's God doing that. But yeah, it's making room is a good way of putting it. Uh, clearing out the obstacles, uh, submitting myself to, um, because it's easy to say, if 
fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. But it's in the real world, I don't want to be gentle sometimes. And mm -hmm. I will be very, it's very easy for me to say, uh, I don't, I shouldn't be gentle. I mean, why should I be gentle here? And I think that's the, that's the tension that we're in is we want to, we want to walk by the spirit and be transformed and exhibit these fruits, big picture. But in the moment, we'll find lots of reasons why, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be kind here. Uh, or I've been patient for a long time. And that that's the sort of thing where I do have to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And that just doesn't mean, you know, that sounds so dramatic, but sometimes that just means letting go of a grudge mm -hmm. <laughs> or yeah, like, like re-forgiving somebody who really has harmed me. It seems so uh, undramatic and ordinary and mundane, but that's really what keeping in step with the spirit often looks like. Well, let's land it there uh, in yeah. this uh Reader's Digest condensed version. Younger people won't even know what that means. Uh, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> spark notes? Older. Cliff's notes? Yeah, Cliff spark notes, right? <laughs> notes version. It's not, it's not even that much shorter of an episode, but um, <laughs> let's land the plane there. And uh, that's, I guess that's the encouragement is what, you know, maybe ponder what does it mean for you to keep in step with the Spirit? What does it mean for you to deny yourself and to keep in step at the same time? What, what do those rhythms look like? Uh, so that more and more our lives are characterized by what God is doing in us uh, via his truth and less and less by what we would, we would do without them. So with that, Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks.